Hi, and welcome to the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align. I am your host, Amber, and I am joined today by co-host Austin, all to talk about self-love. It is something that is very, very important to us because in many ways, it's what brought us together. When Austin came looking for someone to help him along his journey, it was one of the first things that we began really kind of diving into to help support and heal along that journey. And so we kind of made it one of the last attributes to talk about in the heart leader flow because it is something that is so meaningful and profound and key and pivotal. And I could go on and on and on because it is the foundation of so many things along this journey. So we're going to dive in and we're going to share a lot about our own personal stories and a lot of the tools that we used to really get in touch with our own self-love and how it's changed our own lives and things that maybe would strike a chord with you and you could use in your own journey. So Austin, when you came into that gym the very first day or night, it was more toward the evening yes. when you ventured in. <laughs> yeah. I know one of the first things we talked about was kind of where your self-confidence and self-esteem were. And I still have this vision of you kind of chest out, very confident. I am very self-confident. And then the more we talked about what that meant and what self-love meant, I saw that kind of go, all right, it's the illusion of self-confidence and the illusion of self-esteem. And there's a difference because I had that same journey where I had the illusion of self-confidence and the illusion of self-esteem. But the moment anything in my external world started to tell me differently, then I started to implode. And I really began to question everything about who I was. So if the role that I had at work suddenly got challenged or the knowledge I thought I had was challenged, then my self-confidence and my self-esteem started do, 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 dwindling. And so I knew where you were because I had been there. Can you share from your side the experience of having someone <laughs> kind of look in and go, I know where you are because I've been there. Absolutely. Um, in a simple word, humbling. <laughs> uh, very much so. I mean, that was uh, a big eye-opening experience um, because I always desired to seek to walk that fine line of, of confidence versus conceit, right? Um, the goal was never to be so much so that um, you know, I was either blind by it and then would maybe even potentially like treat others 
poorly because I was so, um, we've heard the term overconfident or those kind of things, which I think the real, the real word to that is just conceited or self-focused or even narcissistic, um, depending on the spectrum of, of, of that. So, you know, I never desired to move into that. And so I felt like <clears throat> there was always this balance. And so the reality is, is that I was actually, uh, uh, kind of on the other side. Uh, it was, when we talk about, when we think ego and we've had this conversation on other podcasts where, where we think, okay, um, when we hear the word ego, we always, it kind of, uh, sell, it kind of defines immediately as over ego. When, when the reality is again, that ego is a spectrum, there's under ego or those over ego and, and ego is the opportunity for balance. And so again, I didn't want to get into the egoic side of it. And so I was actually masking that, that under confidence, that under ego with the illusion of confidence and self-worth and all these things, because I was seeking to let something outside of me define the internal. And uh, yeah, it wasn't until you that I recognized how much I was doing that and how the true power in self-love resides within. And what we call it in our tool this month is the super skill yes. of self-love. This episode of the Heart Leader Podcast was brought to you by Stephen Douglas. Stephen Douglas is one of the nation's leading boutique search and interim resources firms and has been recognized as a leader in identifying and providing access to top talent for clients since 1984. Whether it's a company preparing to go to the next level or a candidate looking for better opportunities, Stephen Douglas keeps the focus on the needs of the people they serve. They specialize in connecting the right talent to a company's needs while also understanding what the market demands. To learn more about this amazing organization, visit them at stephendouglas.com. Because, you know, I started on my journey and the very first thing was self-love, right? Before it became this buzzword that make a lot of people go, I don't even want to hear this anymore. Um, it was one of the things that I was really, really focused on. And the reason that I really put my focus there was I knew if I didn't love myself, then I wouldn't be able to receive love from others. And I wouldn't truly know how to give love to others. Because we can't give something that we don't have, right? Mm -hmm. And we can't receive something that we don't know how to give to ourselves in many ways. Because we sometimes just put up this block to it. So if I can't take a compliment from myself, if I can't hold my own self-worth, then if you keep telling me you're beautiful. I'm not going to believe you because I don't believe that I'm beautiful. So I knew that I needed to navigate through that if I desired to have the deep bond with somebody that I truly desired. And I couldn't lie to myself. So I really needed to find it. 
And so I felt like the hero's journey, as they call it, right? Where if you think about all these superhero movies now, right? They are every freaking where from all these different avenues. But anytime you watch this superhero, they go on these major quests. But what they ultimately end up finding is inside of them. They have to have this self-love, this knowing, this strength within them. When all else fails, superpowers are taken away, whatever it is. The power isn't some mystic power. The power is their own knowing of themselves, their strength that comes from this love within, this courage, this knowing that no matter what the world around them tells them about themselves, they know who they are and they're going to stand up for what they know. And so I want to be the hero of my own story. I want to be the hero of my life and empower other people to be the hero of their own journey and of their own life. And the only way I could do that was by loving myself and knowing what my truth was and knowing what I stood for. Yeah, (laughs) that was uh, pretty super. Um, So well said. And, uh, what a what an interesting comparison in terms of that because we we do immediately like we don't it's not it's not obvious out of the gate that these superhero movies and and that the hero's journey is about self-love you know it's that's really not ever brought up and it's always about something else like i need to find my courage or i need to find my passion i need to find part of myself but the reality is they're not just finding a part of themselves they are actually finding and it's not even just finding it's they're seeking they're understanding themselves and so many times whether it's you know in these situations where a superpower almost becomes an identity and they almost are looking at the outside version of them even though the superpower is within them it's like they're viewing themselves from the eyes of everyone else around them and then they're attempting to live up to that and it's funny because at that point many of the times they are uh, quote unquote, out of control, right? They don't know how to control their power. Yes. And so it's no wonder that the that because they don't they know so little about themselves that they're not able to direct the own power within themselves. And until they take that inward journey, and they they really dive into understanding themselves, that the power in themselves start to align. And so. Yeah, it's just it's it is amazing how it is how it is that and then they can access like you know the very depths in, of their power. It's like, oh, you know, you're only tapping into a little bit of your power. There's so much more within you. Yes. And so and the reality is, is that's how it is with every one of us. You know, it's our superpower is our authentic self. Because there is literally no one else like that in the universe or multiverse whatever you believe in exactly Um, no one is experiencing the same thing that we're experiencing no one is making the exact same choices in the exact same way as us because no one has has had the same past and no one will have the same future as us so we're literally a unique expression in action 
And so that is in many ways, super. (laughs) Yes. And that's the amazing thing is the moment you begin to truly embrace Mm self-love, then all of these other things so fall away, like the perception that you have to compete with people or things outside of yourself, right? And I'm going to keep going back to that superhero journey kind of thing, because superheroes don't end up competing with other superheroes. They know that the power that they bring is unique unto them, even if it's similar to another one. So they combine forces to do more good in the world. And so competition begins to fall away. And when I truly connected to knowing myself, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, you know, I'm human. There are going to be moments when I have self-doubt. But being able to always go back to that true center and use the skills that I have practiced for so long to bring me back to that point, it's just like that journey, right? Anyone who has watched these movies or seen or read any of these books about any kind of individual who goes on a heroic journey knows that there are going to be times they go off path. But then they get back to that place. They get back to that center using the skills that they gained. And so we have to understand that by using that, we don't see others who have amazing skills too and bring so much to this world as competition. We see them as allies, as ways to connect and make our world an even better and more amazing place. And how wonderful is that? To have the confidence to no longer feel like no matter what, I'm not less than someone else. I'm an addition to them. Yes. And that can work individually. That can work in a family. That can work on a corporation side. That can work nonprofits. You know, and there's so much... Uh, nationally, like different countries, you know, it's, it is, we all know inherently that we're stronger together. Yeah. We seem to fight that. Yeah. It's really interesting. I would like to circle back to the point that you made about, you know, not being perfect and being human. And I feel like it's interesting because when people hear the term superhuman, it's like, there's so much focus on the super part that they forget that the super is an adjective to describe the the human. So the human is actually the focus point. And so if we're so worried about the the super, then again, it's like we're we're putting all of our focus and awareness on on the thing that's describing us, not the actual beingness that we are. And so the super can't exist without the human. Exactly. And so that's where when we are we allow ourselves to be human and the expression of our human is super, then it kind of flips that script. And then we no longer are allowing whatever it is that makes our uniqueness. We are letting that be the driver, you know, versus us thinking that whatever it needs to be is the driver. Yes. And we came here to be human. Yeah. Like no matter what, your belief system is however you feel you arrived 
into being a human, we all somehow ended up here, right? And so there's some element of us that desired this experience. So why wouldn't we embrace it fully? Mm. Like, this is... This is an opportunity and the choice is ours as to how we're going to embrace that opportunity. Each and every second, the choice is ours as to how we're going to embrace it, right? Things do happen to all of us. And so the only thing that we can direct is our choice as to how we interact with it, right? Mm And this is where I'll go to the science of it. Yes, please. Because in the quantum sciences program that I had the honor of taking part in, we learned about the energetics Mm -hmm. of the human element, right? And how the energetics do interact with one another. And to me, when I equate that to self-love and love in general, The average human being emits just sitting here, you and I, Mm -hmm. just sitting here right now, we emit as much, if not more energy than the lights that are shining on us right now, Mm -hmm. the light bulb. So if we think about what we've learned in kinesiology and the study of the output of energy from people, love resonates at a very, you know, high frequency and stable. So it's like a soft, white, bright light that just stays stable and shines very, very consistently. If we think about fear, it is more like a strobe light. It's like do-do-do-do-do-do-do and very erratic. So when we put those two things together and we think about the energy that we're emitting, if we're emitting as much as a light bulb, if not more, I alone can either be erratic and like a strobe light, or I can be soft and bright and consistent. And that's what's just emitting from me out to you and establishing how I'm going to operate in a given day. So if I'm erratic and all over the place, that's going to affect how I interact in the world. Then when I come in contact with you, you're going to feel that and it's going to interact and kind of interrupt how you interact in the world. Right now, the majority of us, based on scientific studies, our thoughts, more than 80% of them, more than 80% of them are based in fear. And we cycle through those thoughts. 90 plus percent of our thoughts are recycled thoughts. So here we are cycling in thoughts of fear. So most of us are walking around as strobe lights interacting with each other. Very few of us are taking the time to love from within and keep that consistent pattern. And the best way to create, the best way to really hold a space of creative forward movement 
is from that space of consistent flow. So if you truly desire to change your world, I'm not talking about changing the world. I'm talking about changing your world. Then love yourself. Begin to become that flow of love from within you. And that's science. It's not just mm, love yourself, love yourself. Bubble baths. <laughs> <laughs> it is science at this point. Right. And not pseudoscience, science. Yeah. Yeah. Fact. Absolutely. It's, um, that's amazing to kind of build on that. If we each focused on changing our own world in that way, then the byproduct would be changing the world as a whole. And so sometimes it's, we, we, we do have that desire, many of us to want to change the world, but it's like, wow, there's one of us and almost 8 billion people. Um, how is, how can we even begin that process? Yeah, it just seems over overwhelming, insurmountable. And so and we can't direct what everyone else is doing. We can't, even if there's an illusion of that, we still can't. Everyone has that, at least from my perspective, everyone has that free will. <clears throat> and so we can direct our own actions. And so that's what I love about what you're saying, which kind of leads me to want to take it almost philosophically here from okay, the science into the philosophical. Right. So you were talking about the uh, the strobe lights, and I feel like it's such a good visual for people to understand and connect because you're saying, okay, well, in that sense, if we are that light bulb and we're focusing in the fear and that's like that strobe light, what does a strobe light do? It goes from light to dark, light to dark. So when you're in fear, yeah, that's kind of the flow. Fear being a little bit of that dark, love being that light it's kind of like this back and forth back and forth unsure not able to stay consistent in one or the other and the reason why that 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 love that light that that warm light that we know is so comforting and we feel that we all know it exists is because the reality is as as we were talking about that love is our foundation that is our very essence of our being and so when we are choosing fear, we're, we're choosing an extension of love, but not love itself. And so we're, we're almost like stepping away, kind of like when we stretch a rubber band and it's like we pull it and then we, you know, you let it go and it comes back. Well, it's always going to be that shape. It's just when we pull it and we stretch it out, you know, we could, we can move it around. It could be maneuverable, but the reality is it's always going to come back. And so that's how we are. And fear is kind of like that, that rubber band for us where we kind of stretch to understand and experience and all these things. And that's fine. But at some point we have to decide, does living in fear help us achieve what our goals are? Does that help us achieve our passion? Does it help us not only individually, but collectively reach what we desire to reach as a human species? I feel like we've proven time and time again that fear does not do that. And so that's what I feel in the very depth of my soul, and I know you do as well, and why we are on this mission of creating a global movement of love with Suivera, is to show that you know, we can come back to the very essence of who we are, individually and collectively. We are 
love. And so when we can flip the script and not let fear be the be where we're approaching things, but instead make love the base for how we approach things. Now that's what I want to kind of dive into with you next here. We can talk about not approaching um, whether it's a relationship or a business or a personal decision or really any choice in life from that fear and lack, which we have been so ingrained over years and years and years and generations and generations and generations. But now we can shift into how to approach it from love and abundance. Yes. And I think you, I love that you brought up choice. And this is for my dear friend, Corey, because we just had a conversation (laughs) about this. And his philosophy, and I think this goes along with many philosophies around, and it's, I personally, you know, we all have our belief systems, and I align with the belief system that there is no right or wrong. There is choice. And we learn something from every choice we make. Now, there are obviously choices that do not harm others that I more align with Mm -hmm. than choices that harm others, given where I am on my path. And so I would make choices that do no harm and align with love and what scientifically one would call a higher output of frequency. But does that mean that someone who makes a different choice than that is bad. And so depending on your belief, it could be that they're learning something, right? And so we honor that belief and we're not making a judgment or an assessment that one is good or bad. When we say we can choose now to make a different choice and be in love, in the love frequency. And so I am so grateful to Corey for always having those kind of honest conversations and challenging and writing in or making comments or calling and talking to us, because these are the types of conversations in our community that we do encourage, right? right? We do have different points of view that are all very, that's self-love, right? When you know what your perspective is and you know where you stand, that's loving yourself, but kindly. Now, Corey would never come to me and say, you are wrong because he loves himself enough to know that I, that he doesn't have all of the answers and that he can grow as well because he's watched himself evolve. And his ideal shift and things change just as much as I've done the same thing. And so we never know that we're absolutely right or absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. We just know that we're expanding in our awareness as we move forward, which is a part of self-love. Yes. So not to go off subject, but just to expand when we say we're making a choice in love now. It is a choice. We no longer have to stay in fear. 
it is a conscious choice that we can make to move into more loving actions. We've been there. We've done that. We have a million t-shirts now about what fear can do for us as a collective society. Is it time to start choosing something different for our own evolution? Yes. I feel that wholeheartedly. I feel that there are many right now who feel that wholeheartedly. I feel like most of humanity is sick and tired of being treated poorly, sick and tired of feeling fear, and sick and tired of feeling lack. And so we have that opportunity. Choice is our opportunity to understand who we are. Every choice we make is is an opportunity to explore our identity. So when we do come from a place of love, then we are tapping into that abundance. Yes. And the unique thing about abundance is that it always exists. If your focus is lack, you can be abundantly in lack. But if your focus is love, then you can be abundantly in love. And that love isn't just rainbows and puppies and you know which is wonderful in and of itself but what it means to be love uh, i think it kind of goes back to us talking about what would love do yeah so a lot of us would do something or approach something and it's never going to be perfect it's not going to be you know we're always going to look back and say oh well could we have done something a little bit better sure there's always room for improvement that's growth our universe is ever expanding, and so are we. But at some point, we know enough through our experience of countless choices of our lives, whether we're a couple years old or 90 years old, we still had enough choices that we can make a chunk conscious choice towards something. And so it is a reason why, at least I feel, why when we see someone in trouble, our natural instinct is to go help them. You know, it doesn't survival, it doesn't make sense to run into a burning building if our folk if we were designed to only focus on our own survival. That's not our makeup. I feel like that's a misunderstanding. If we were only focused on natural selection in that sense, then we were I feel like we are putting blinders on our true identity, which is love, because we are missing out on the beauty of those experiences, whether it's in nature, animals, or humans alike that have gone out of their way to put themselves in harm to help another animal or help a human, or we've seen animals help humans, we've seen humans help animals. It's natural. That's because we are love. Love is natural. And so when we choose that, all we're doing is choosing ourselves. We're choosing our authentic self. And therefore, every choice we make in love is a practice of self-love. Yes. And that is a key thing. Because when we begin to have self-love, then we begin to move through the steps to self-actualization. We begin to really tap into, as you were saying about the superhero, right? 
to honing all of the skills that we brought to place out into this world. We're not questioning what those are anymore. We're not questioning what is my purpose. We're being our purpose because it is flowing through who we are. That question begins to stop because we're embodying it. And that goes back to, it doesn't become a question of, will I run into that building? You become love. That is one of the purposes that we all are in many ways. And if it's not, then that's okay too. It's okay. And we become aligned with all of it. And that's where I feel like the more that we take the steps, and I think we need to get into the how, right? Because we've talked a lot about the, oh, these are the good things about self-love and the things that we've experienced. Because it's not like when we set out on this mission to create this global movement of love, everyone was like, hurrah, way to go. (laughs) I am with you. Oh, no. We had a lot of people who did not understand, who did not like it, um, who we received some threats. We received a lot of different interesting things that we did not anticipate. But you have to be willing to know who you are. And self-love is what will empower you to do that. So how did we get there? How did you, what tools, what are a few tools that really allowed you to get to a space of true self-love? So when individuals came up to you and said, you are not the same Austin Yule I knew, mm-hmm. and I, I can't get on board with this Austin Yule, mm-hmm. you were like, okay, and that sucks, but I honor you and I honor your decision. And I honor who I am. And should that ever change, I'll be here for you. Mm -hmm. All right. That's a great question. Um, Thanks to you. Yeah. When we met in 2014, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot out there about that. I didn't know where to go, where to look. Um, I've heard of meditation and things like that, but it was really about, it wasn't about going within. It was about maintaining a state of being. Now we would we can have a long conversation to have about how being choosing love is maintaining a state of being, but neither here nor there right now. So we'll stick with the fact that it was it was more about calming, and it was about calming the mind, not even really about the heart, which is what you and I both know is is really the depth of meditation. The mind is a tool to help us explore and understand the purpose and the experience and the intention of the meditation. But the true depth of meditation occurs with here. And so I would say diving into that was one of the first tools, really understanding that, recognizing that when we take the time to seek to understand ourselves, ask ourselves the questions, honestly, 
it sounds it sounds kind of silly, but at first, one of the first things I did was ask myself questions that I would ask someone I was getting to know. Exactly. Because that's how disconnected I was from me, which is crazy. Um, I'm the only one who's lived with myself, <laughs> you know. And I was so, I was so, so willing, and it was so easy for me to want to immediately want to know someone and understand them and connect with them. But why was it so difficult to ask those questions to myself? And so, asking them, writing them down, meditating on them. Meditating, and by meditating, I don't mean just sitting in a dark corner and, you know, I mean like actually, like a meditation can be simply asking why. As you said, one of the great tools you gave me was asking why seven times. You really want to dive into something, it is hard. Because when you get past number three, you're just like, I mean, you, you attempt to start fishing for things you're like, I don't even know. And, and what a tool that is. I mean, it took weeks or months to take one simple thing and then drop it all the way down to seven times of why. That's, that's a great one. Really, really simple. It can fit in anything in your life and it can really pull the best out of you. And then finally, I feel like the mirror technique. That one in terms of physical, because I would like to, uh, I know my answer is a little bit more all-encompassing, so I would like to take the time to kind of break down the how relative to physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, the final tool was the mirror technique. Uh, I always enjoyed writing things on my mirror. I felt like I learned enough from that process of, you know, whether it's inspiration or just something that I desired to become, I would write those on my mirror. I never, never once thought to write something like an I am statement, for example, or look deeply into my own eyes. Uh, again, I knew that in order to create a connection, it was looking eye to eye. We've talked about this in multiple podcasts and videos and courses and all that fun stuff, but it's one that never, never loses its effect because it is so, so profound. When we look into our own eyes, the first two seconds, first three seconds is hard. It's only natural. Like, well, just why am I looking at myself? You know, and so to get out of my own way, literally and figuratively, yeah. to, to to really look and get to the point where I could look at myself for 30 seconds and then a minute and then a couple minutes and five minutes without being, again, not crossing that line of narcissistic or egoic or conceited, but looking at myself, knowing that, well, you and I look at each other like that. Why can't I do that to myself? And the more I do that to myself, the greater that I can look into you. Exactly. And there are so many things that come, I feel, from being able to look into your eyes, which in many ways causes you to look into your soul. And we have had clients who, for the first several times that we would have them do this technique, they 
couldn't even look at themselves. They would cry and not be able to do it. So it sounds easier in many ways than it is. And maybe for some people, it will be very easy. And that's a beautiful thing. But if it's not, it's okay too. Just don't give up. Keep going back to that mirror. Keep looking. Keep seeking to understand who you are really deep within there. Because there are so many layers to who we are beyond that physical aspect. And when we look into our own eyes, we begin to see that. And it can be unnerving, as you said. And so for many, that's why we avoid eye contact, right? Because that is a clear statement of vulnerability. And so to allow someone to look into your eyes like that, it can be scary that way too. So then we practice. It goes back to that self-love, right? If I love myself enough to be that vulnerable and transparent with myself, then it becomes easier to be that vulnerable and transparent with someone else. Truth. And, and for me, when, with that, that practice, it was almost my first recognition of when we, we've hear, heard in whether it's poems or stories about the, the eyes being kind of the windows to the soul, but it was the first time that it got me to not just think that the soul is something I have, but the soul is something I am. Yeah. And that's a complete shift in framework. It's an experience of the soul. Yes. It truly can be. Mm-hmm. It can be. And you may feel things that you've not felt. I know I did. And I've had others who have. And so it's a beautiful way to truly connect with self. Yes. And so I feel like that one transcends. Yes, it's a physical thing. You begin to see things about yourself. And when I did the mirror technique, making eye contact, then looking at my whole self and choosing things I love about myself or creating I am statements, it was wonderful because then people would start feeding me the same compliments that I was feeding myself. It was like that power of attraction, right? Action, attraction, compensation, laws of the universe in motion. But it was easier for me to receive them instead of going, oh, no, thank you, but no. Then I was like, oh, well, thank you. And it was just that perpetual cycle. So I got the physical, but I also got the emotional, like my confidence in that area just started to grow. And then my mental would open up as well. So if it was, I really love how open and connected I am. You know, from a mental standpoint, I was so much stronger about being open and willing to receive and not take things personally, right? And then from a spiritual or a soul standpoint, It also opened me up because, as you said, I understood how expansive my soul was. And so it's, to me, is a technique that kind of embodies all of it. 
Well said. Yeah, that's it's such a great starting point because again, you can expand within it too. It's something that you could use for the rest of your life, as you're saying, and and draw deeper and deeper into it at all levels of that. Yeah, grab little whiteboard markers and write on your mirror. You could. There's just so many ways, and there's mirrors everywhere, mm-hmm. right? So it's if you start to, as we talked about earlier in this. You start to go a little off, which we do, right? It's the human experience. Mm-hmm. We all get knocked off of our little happy path. But the moment that happens, it's like Clark Kent going into the phone booth, right? We can all get to a mirror and change into our, I've got my super skill. I'm back. I see myself for who I truly am. So. I like that. Me too. Would you be willing to kind of share some other tools? You know, because I, I do feel like that's arguably one of the best for the physical side. Would you be able to, willing to share some for uh, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So from a mental side of things, I know when... You get challenged from things that begin to happen in life. Um, It's very easy to allow depression, sadness, those types of things to kind of begin to pull you in. And that's okay. What I often say, even to myself, because I just went through a period where In all transparency, I had a couple of days of just being really sad, just really sad. Mm -hmm. The key was to not make it who I was. It was what I was experiencing. And we talk about it often. It's like, I am sad. No, I'm not sad. I am not sad. I am experiencing sadness, right? So to say that I am the sadness makes it part of my identity. And that's not true. I am not the sadness. I am experiencing sadness because obviously something's coming up for me. Obviously there was something that was occurring, even though I wasn't consciously aware of it, right? I had no conscious awareness of what had triggered the sadness within me. But I was experiencing it. And if I just shoved it down and pretended like it wasn't happening for me, then I couldn't get through it. And if I assigned some type of importance to it, then it became my identity. So the best thing I could do was journal, like go to my journal, go to back to my basics and just journal out what I was feeling so I could get it out of my person and onto something. And then not allow it to become my identity, not allow it to be significant, just allow it to be until it wasn't any longer. And you, as my loving partner, gave me space to do that. And just as fast as it came on, it left. And that was the end of it. I feel like so often we do identify ourselves with our emotions. We tie who we are to what we feel. 
And then it creates this cycle or this spiral and it impacts our mental and it impacts our emotional. So we turn our feelings into our emotions, right? To me, those are separate things. So I. You mean feelings into thoughts or feelings into emotions? Feelings into into emotions and even into our thoughts. Can you expand on that? You're right. So feelings are something that we have that stay with us. They're triggered kind of in our, in our heart center and we feel them. Emotions are instant, right? So I might have an emotional response to something that you do. Mm-hmm. And then it can trigger a feeling potentially, but feelings are something that might stick around a little bit longer than an emotion. Emotions are more instinctual. Feelings are more lasting. But we'll take feelings and we'll keep having emotions from them, right? Or vice versa. So if I allow my feelings to to stay as long as they need to and process them, then I can get through it and move on. Instead of triggering emotions, triggering emotions, triggering emotions, triggering emotions, and making them stay longer than they need to. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And for those listening, um, you're talking about the heart versus the head. So Correct. feelings and emotions are happening in the heart. Thoughts, well, from that's we can go into science about that happening from the heart and the head as well. But a lot of people experience their thoughts in their head. Yes. Um, so... Yeah, I love everything you said. And maybe just to quickly kind of break down that, because I feel like you kind of brought emotion and or mindsets and emotion or mental and emotional together in that sense. So the tools for the mental side seemed like was self-talk, you know, really focusing on how we're talking to ourselves and how we're talking to ourselves can be influenced by the emotions or the feelings that we're having. And so the, the emotions are things that could be uh, reactional. Is that a word? Reactional? Yeah, it sure is. Reactions. And if not, it is now. So who cares? Reactionary. Maybe that might be the term I'm looking for. Um, and feelings tend to be a little bit more, um, might stay a little bit longer. Yes. And an emotion may create a feeling. A feeling may uh, spark, spark emotion. an emotion. And both of those may even impact the way that we're thinking. And so that's why they go hand in hand in terms of, which makes sense because when we are heart and mind and we're aligning those together, that there is going to be some interplay with, with how they all, uh, how we function with those. Does that, does that sound about right? Perfect summary. Awesome. And I personally find it very challenging to separate mental and emotional um, because they do interplay so much together. And so, yes, they're in different segments, but the interplay, and that's how I feel about all of aspects of our being, Mm -hmm. right? That's why it is so important for us to understand every level of ourself because we're not that separated out. We're not like a layered cake. <laughs> we are just all integrated. And so we have to really focus on how every one of those layers mm-hmm. are truly being healthy and well 
and self-love helps us understand that because the more we know ourselves through self-love, the quicker we can identify, just like I did during that time of sadness, when something is awry and what our being is calling us to do about it. Mm. I love that. If we can kind of lastly discuss the spiritual side, what would be a great tool? This one's a little more challenging because everyone has their own path up the mountain. Yes. I don't know that there's a single way other than once you know your heart, once you know how you're being called to self-love, honor how you're being called to your spiritual way up the mountain. Mm. Because anyone else telling you is them telling you their way up the mountain. Mm -hmm. Your way up the mountain is your way up the mountain. And so honor that. Your spirit is going to call you the direction you are meant to go. And by knowing yourself and loving yourself, you're going to know that direction. Your compass is in here. The heart. The heart. The heart center. It's mm, beautiful advice. And it seems like in many ways that if someone were to practice the physical, the mental, and emotional, that naturally that is all-encompassing of the spiritual. So one will increase their understanding spiritually by understanding themselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. And that might help people who are don't feel aligned with their purpose or don't know what the purpose is. Um, and maybe for many, it's, it's not, um, not a religion or a faith, or maybe it is, who knows. But sometimes purpose could be a spiritual experience and understanding one's purpose. And when we realize, as you beautifully stated earlier, that we, when we choose to be, we are our own purpose. And whatever we put intention and focus towards, therefore, becomes purposeful, full of purpose, right? Full of purpose. (laughs) And so from that, we can make a choice in love. And in many ways, that does align with a lot of faiths. It does align with a lot of religion. That does align with, you know, even if love is your religion, or if you don't believe in God, if it's science, or if it's medicine, or whatever you believe in, if it's aligned with who you are, then you're bringing your purpose forward. And there's no question of your purpose. And so that can be a very spiritual experience uh, when all of those are aligned. Agreed. Thank you so much for the beautiful conversation. I'm so grateful I get to have these every single day (laughs) with you and uh, continue to learn. Um, There was one point I kind of forgot we were on a podcast. I was listening. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, that's really good. (laughs) And then, oh, wait, I need to say something about that. So thank you for consistently and continually uh, inspiring me and uh, sharing your heart and love with not just me, but everyone listening and watching. You are uh, an incredible light in my life. 
So are you, baby. I'm just glad we get to do this together all the time. Me too. <laughs> and thank you guys for being here with us and sharing in this podcast. We are focusing on self-love the entire month of October. And as always, we will have a tool available for you in the Heart Leader Toolbox. This month, it is self-love as a super skill. And it has a lot of amazing information and a couple of wonderful tips, including the mirror technique that we talked about here today. So venture on over and get your copy. There's also a lot of other amazing, amazing resources in that toolbox that you can explore. Until next time, we look forward to seeing you in the Suivera community. You've been listening to the Heart Leader Podcast with your host, Amber, where heart and mind align. Tune in weekly as we take a deeper dive into what it means to be a heart leader. Ready to take the next step? Join us and over 1 million people worldwide who've united in creating this global movement of love. Become a heart leader for today and tomorrow. Learn more and connect with us at suivera.org.